Sure. Well, I was, uh, thank you, Brenton. I was thinking back there, besides Jesus, I don't know of another man that has impacted my life in God more than my father, Kirk Bennett. Oh, I thought you were going to say Brenton. That was like. And Brenton Dowdy. <laughs> Wow. Then Brenton Dowdy. I need to get to know you. Wow, you're an amazing guy. (laughs) That is not what I was going to say. I thought he was talking about Brenton. I I have been impacted by Brenton, but, you know. (laughs) But I want to just take a moment and uh, pray for him, pray for my father, ask the Lord to give uh, us ears to hear the word that he's going to share this morning. So, Father, I thank you for my dad. I thank you that he is your servant, the servant of the Lord, and he has set himself before you for many, many decades. Many, many, many. No. What did he say? Lord, I, I ask that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to respond to your words this morning. I ask, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom to rest upon him. I ask for a spirit of grace to rest upon him this morning. We bless you, Father, and we thank you for the generations that stand before you. The generations, Lord, are part of this spiritual family whose grandchildren are being raised in a community of day and night prayer. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we named him Isaac, and uh, it was, uh, we didn't really know why, uh, but, you know, Isaac means, uh, his name means laughter, and uh, we were thinking it had to do with, uh, you know, I got to take him up on the altar, and, you know, but uh, <laughs> his name means laughter, and my son has just become an amazing messenger that gets everybody laughing and then he puts the sword in him you know <laughs> it's like wow uh, i love my son i love my family isaac and morgan and many in the body of christ uh, um, who are just coming into something so new in this hour for us to actually become even across churches and denominations you know um, we're becoming the spiritual family that God always intended. And again, I don't mean just my nuclear family, but I mean the body of Christ. The body of Christ will so identify before Jesus returns as a family, a bride, but also a family that will know that we're sons of God and he's a good father in the end. So, uh, first of all, notes. I don't type, okay? (laughs) I did type these up. It was painstaking for me. I'm not a good typist. So, if you have critique of my notes, um, that's fine. Because uh, God didn't put me here because I was good at what I do. He put me here because I'm bad at what I do, and that inspires everybody else to go, well, I could do that, and then they'll go do it. So, <laughs> so uh, that's to say, I think I'm, I'm learning disabled in some ways. I know God would say that because he keeps saying the same things over and over to me, and evidently I'm not listening. Um, we're in a new season, and my heart is today that we could get a feel of how God feels in this new season. This new season, of course, has to do with the presidency, has to do with a whole new way of of living life with these, you know, has to do with with so many things, and all all of our challenges become theological debates, and, and, uh, you know, debating over this, you know, I don't know, God prophesied that there would be a faceless generation. Who knows? Maybe this is the beginning of that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, But I am convinced that we've begun a word that God so graciously gave to our senior leader, Mike Bickle, here 
back almost 40 years ago that he was gonna change the understanding and expression, not Mike was, God was, gonna change the understanding and expression of Christianity in one generation. And, you know, those kinds of words come, and of course, you know, Mike testified that he heard it clearly, uh, you know, seemingly an audible voice that he, his, his first request was when he heard it, what? And, and the Lord repeated it audibly, and, 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 you know, it sounds awesome, and we just assume that it's going to look good like we think, you know? Kind of the idea of, uh, you know, Jesus is going to come and he's going to change things. Amen, you know. And so we're looking outside the window for Jesus to come and we have this feeling, you know, the, the colors in the room are not that beautiful and Jesus is going to turn, change the colors, you know. And we're, we're so excited about, yes, Lord, come, come change things. And we're waiting for the paint truck to show up and a bulldozer drives in the driveway. We go, oh, you're here to change things. (laughs) Yeah, I'm here to change things. And the beginning of the change that I perceive has come is the shaking of old things. And the old things haven't passed away yet. They've just begun to shake. And for us, we have a lot of comfort in the old things, in the way we used to do things. And, and, and we thought those were biblical, and, and perhaps they were for a season. But the season is changing. And so things are shaking like never before. I want you to know that God's delighted in this, that it's good news. Now, we have to... We have to gauge ourselves based on God's sense of humor, don't we? You know, the nations gather against the Lord and his anointed in Psalm 2. You know, we teach the Psalm 2 is coming. The nations are enraged and they gather against the Lord. And the one who sits in the heavens laughs. That's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? I mean, when all the nations conspire together, take out the Lord and his anointed, and God's laughing. What do you do when you're in the throne room when God starts laughing? You're going, uh, uh, you know, do I laugh with him? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know what to do, you know? In the midst of the darkest hours of human history, God is laughing. Is, is, is he just different? What? Who is this God? I want to submit that there is a sovereign joy that sees beyond what is eminent difficulty. You know, the thing that made the the disciples sing hymns when their arms are in chains in the jail. They're in jail Destined, you know, the Acts 12, they're in jail, destined to die. And, and, you know, they got their arms up in chains and they're going, what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, and you're going, guys, seriously? You know, there's this joy beyond. And that joy is when you look up. If you look at the world and the nations gathering against Israel and, and, you know, in this Psalm 2 scenario, the temptation is to look down. And Jesus said, when you see these things, look up, look up. There's something different when we look up. So that was an extended version of my introduction. Okay. (laughs) If you're following along in the notes... A fresh word of hope is where I am. Number two, Roman number two. On the morning of New Year's Eve, I was laying in bed. And uh, uh, many times, my, my personal relationship with the Lord, I, I, I'm trying to grow in intimacy. And, and it's mostly not prophetic words for the body. It's mostly just conversation where he's trying to just show me who I really am and how I could be different by showing me himself. And, and, and so we have lots of conversations like that. 
Now, how do you know if it's God? Well, I didn't at first. I had to learn to recognize his voice by just picking up the conversation, not just by praying, but by asking him questions and waiting and sitting. And, and, and uh, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at not talking. Um, I heard an amen out there. There's probably more of you. You're so gracious. Um, but I have found in this place, and, and he's used to that too, because he'll interrupt my conversations with him at times by talking over me. And uh, I, I usually seek the Lord at, at, at moments throughout the year that are the change moments, you know. And I'm just sitting before him going, Lord, show me something for the body. Show me something that's going to change, you know. So I usually do that leading up to New Year's. And, and I didn't do that this year. And I'm, I'm laying in bed. And, of course, there's so much, you know, that there was such a rumor of war. Do you know that was what's going on? It's still out there. It's a rumor of war. Sometimes rumors of war lead to war. Sometimes rumors of war just end up rumors of war. But there's a lot of pursuit of God talking when there's a rumor of war. And so people will try to get revelation and get things and think they're supposed to share them and, and, and all of that. And, and, and uh, the, the word of the Lord to me throughout all of last year, he just put his finger over his lips and go, shh, just don't say anything. <laughs> Meaning, you're not gonna get it right anyhow. Just don't say anything. And, and um, you know, it got me off of the hook in some ways. Um, people would say, what, what's God saying? And I'd say, he's just saying, shh. Come here, come here, come here. That's all he was saying to me to say. Um, but this, this rumor of war can cause people to get in a lot of anxiety. And there were times when, you know, these different moments were coming, you know, you know last year Passover, last year Pentecost, you know, Feast of Tabernacles, Day of Atonement, New Year's, January 6th, January, all of these things, and, and it, it, it's happening like that, and I, I realize I'm in too much anxiety. And I was literally the morning of New Year's Eve sitting in anxiety in my bed. Early in the morning, it was dark still, I'm just laying in bed, and I like, to, uh, like it when I wake up and, and start talking to God. Usually I don't wake up, but I start talking and listening. And... But I wasn't even in that place. I was just laying there. And oh, all the stuff going on. And, and I hear this good news. And, and the words that I hear are new callings. And it comes somehow with a tone to it that makes that rush of the presence of God, the good news rush, run through you. It's like, ooh, what's that? New callings. I was excited. Instantly, I, I saw a vision, and I was flying through the clouds. Or I, I mean, I didn't feel like I was flying. I just looking down on an angel who was flying through the clouds. And, and I knew immediately, just little di divine download, call it, in this vision that he was a visitation angel, and he was going to distribute callings to people, visit people, angel visiting people. How many of you like to have that happen? I know I would. <laughs> and this visitation angel was going to distribute these new, new callings. And then, I, you know, I'm thinking callings as, you know, just kind of a general term, you know, he's going to save some, he's going to get some, you know, you got to go here and you got to go there. He's going to tell some people in other nations, which, which uh, is amazing that's happening right now. Uh, many are being called to America. Many, many uh, uh, different people are being called to America from poor and broken countries. And they're not just, they're not coming to get rich. They're coming to America because the Lord's sending them with, this should make us tremble, you know, that, that God is sending missionaries now to America, many, many missionaries. He has over the years, but we just didn't acknowledge, but it's happening from Africa, especially in, in, in India, these, these missionaries, even from the Middle East, and, you know, 
we're, we're so um, kind of focused on our nation that, oh, no, but there are missionaries and messengers coming to our land. And, you know, we would think, no, we want to send them out. And, and the Lord's going, no, I want to send them in. And so I was thinking of these individual assignments as what he meant by new callings. And then I heard this phrase so clear, the upward call. The upward call that those this angel would visit many different people, and I understood it to be the early part of January that it was actually calling them upward to the upward call. I knew the passage in Philippians 3 uh, 14 about this, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but calling is something that I believe as part of the change of the understanding expression is calling is something that God wants to change the definition that we're carrying of the word calling. How many of you know God's gonna do a new thing? How many of you know that means you don't know what it is? (laughs) You know, there are these new things that he's gonna do and we don't know what they are. But we're prophesying them, and, and you know, we're and you're trying to get everybody to go, amen, and then it happens, and we go, oh, my. <laughs> You're going to do a new thing. <laughs> yeah, I said that. <laughs> this new thing. So I used to think of callings when I first kind of heard the lingo in the Christian language. I got saved in uh, early 70s. The lingo, you know, calling, what's your calling? And it, 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 I understood it to be, okay, this special track that just me and Jesus are on. And it's like this, this special track and, and, and just me and Jesus are on it. Only I could fulfill it. And, and, and I have to figure out what it is and get on this track to my destiny. And, and, and so callings and destiny go together. And, 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 and figuring out your calling helps you get to your destiny. And, and, and I find out, you know, over the years that you, or then it kind of morphs into more what's your vision, what's your calling. And that assumes that everybody's had an individual vision somehow from the Lord and, and, and all of these things. So this word callings gets used for so many things in the Bible. And when you read the Bible, called to preach the gospel. That's the call. And of course, we all think that means standing on the stage with a, you know, in a pulpit and that kind of thing. No, that's not what it means at all. You know, when Jesus said that about himself in Luke 4, 18, he's saying, I'm the beginning of the fulfillment of Isaiah 61, that this calling to preach good news to the poor, good news to the poor. And this calling is for the entire royal priesthood. How many of you kind of have heard that term? You know you're a royal priest. Okay. A lot of us think, well, it's kings and priests, and we turn that into kings or priests, and I'm a king, and you guys go pray. You're the priest. No, no, no. You're a royal priesthood. You've been betrothed in this royal priesthood to your bridegroom, who happens to be the king priest, the high priest, the only high priest of our faith. And we are a priesthood being betrothed unto this segulah, this special treasure of God, this bride-to-be. So these callings definitions, he, wa- he wants to change in us. One day I realized that my calling was not to find my calling. And working with a lot of young adults in, in leadership and house of prayer and speaking to young adults in houses of prayer and teaching classes to young adults, I find that there's this anxiety to find your calling. Will you pray for me? What do you want prayer for? I want to know what to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, I want to know my calling. I'm 60 years old. Just turned 60 in October. It's not too late to send me a gift. 
<laughs> the gift I got was COVID. Uh, <laughs> happy birthday to you. Um, <laughs> I'm 60 years old. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I certainly didn't know when I was 20 what I thought I knew I didn't end up doing with the rest of my life, you know. Can you set your course? Sure. I would say, go ahead and try. <laughs> but for a lot of people, they don't realize it, that Jesus is actually Lord. Just receive it this way. He's on the board of your life. <laughs> and there's one aspect that you won't plan that he's planning regularly for your life. It's called wilderness. And none of us have that on our calendar for this year. None of us had quarantine and lockdown on our calendar for last year. But Jesus did. And we're going, you tricked me. I got to find my calling so I don't have to end up in the wilderness. <laughs> Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Somebody say, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's why he tells us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Did you ever read the little fine print in the middle of the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not into temptation. What is that about? Why am I to pray that God would not lead me into temptation? That just flips so many theological things. I'm a son of God. He loves me. Jesus is gone. Look, two chapters ago, I was led into the wilderness to be tempted, okay? You don't want to go there. Just pray the prayer. Trust me. <laughs> it's a good prayer to pray, you know? He slips it in right after kingdom come, and we're going, yeah, lead us not into temptation. What? <laughs> we skip over the fine print. That's why I'm learning to pray the prayer over and over again. <laughs> so there's this pressure. God wants to relieve that pressure off of you by simply showing us what our calling is. Paul the Apostle had an upward call. How many of you realize that? He had an upward call. He's the one that talks about the upward call. This upward call that he has, that he says, I'm pressing towards in the midst of difficulties, I'm going to forget that and press towards the upward call. Now, here's another reason I feel qualified for speaking to you today. Because Paul says, not having attained it, not having apprehended, I'm not pretending today that I had the upward call clear and I'm pressing only towards it. This upward call that Paul had, do you know how many times Paul had encounters seemingly in the heavenly realms? I don't. I don't think he ever tells, but I'm pretty sure about this. He had one that he tells, and he says, because of having these revelations, I got a thorn in the flesh. I'm pretty sure you don't get a thorn in the flesh for one encounter in heaven. You just get unbelief from everybody around you. <laughs> I had an encounter in heaven. No, you didn't. <laughs> You know, you just get unbelief from the believers and the unbelievers around you. He had so many that God, the board member, the Lord, steps in and goes, Paul, I'm going to give you a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet you. You know, the leadership of Jesus is so unusual, you guys. We're about to experience when these seals get open, when this book of Revelation historically opens up, we're about to meet the Jesus we don't know. Do you know that? We want Jesus to return because of what we know about him, not what we don't know. You know? 
John didn't even recognize Jesus in the book of Revelation. He called him the trumpet, the voice behind me like a trumpet. He had long white hair. John, the most intimate one, he doesn't, Jesus is coming and revealing himself as the Jesus he didn't know, not the Jesus he did know. Let me give you an example. How many of you have on your refrigerator the verse, the seven-horned, seven-eyed lamb as if he had been slain? No, we'll put lion of the tribe of Judah on our, our refrigerator, but not seven-horned, seven-eyed lamb. That's scary. That's, that's the Jesus I don't know. Do you hug a seven-horned, seven-eyed lamb? What do you do with that? I, I'm out. I, uh, worthy. <laughs> you know? Never knew you that way. That I, you can call it a name or a moniker for Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not mentioned anywhere else in the scripture. In, in other words, we don't know him, but when the book of Revelation, a whole lot of new names for Jesus that we don't know are gonna open up to us that aren't even mentioned anywhere else in the scripture. They're mentioned in the book of Revelation, but we think they're throughout the scripture and they're really not. Lion of the tribe of Judah is not spoken about Jesus until that encounter in the heavens. And the, lion, or the elder says, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. And John turns around and says, I looked and saw a lamb as if it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes. That's the Jesus we don't know. Beloved, Jesus is coming. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and we don't know him. Can I get an Amen. Oh, man. <laughs> this is good news. He's better than what we thought. He's greater than what we thought. And he has new callings for us. And this is this upward call. I am convinced that the Lord is taking us to a place to resume the upward call, and one way that we could describe this is the one thing. And if you say, the, let's say four years ago, if you said, are you, are you after the one thing? People would think the conference. And the one thing that was given to us as a people that's never been withdrawn for us as an invitation to us is not a conference. I got one amen out of that. You guys were worn out at the one thing conferences. They, they were not drawings into the beauty of God. They were, oh my goodness, we have to serve the nations so they can be invited into the one thing. But the truth is, in our mentality, the one thing went from a good thing to a bad thing because it got attached onto these conferences and our hosting of the nations. And we all became Martha's when Jesus was offering Martha, not Mary, the one thing. Now, I'm not blaming that on anyone. That was, a, that was a commission on us. That was an assignment that the Lord had because the nations were drawn to something unique in the message coming out of here, but the words that had been put in here. And though we don't do one thing conferences, we're being invited to resume into the one thing calling. The upward call can be described as the one thing calling. I want to just read that verse because I, I think it's so wonderful. David says, one thing do I desire, that will I seek. This is Psalm 27, 4. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We all know the verse. Probably most of us can say the verse. Just a quick show of hands. How many of you, this verse means something really significant to you personally in your life? Just straight elbow, raise your hand so I can see hands. Yeah. This is one of the verses, whether people knew it or not, drew them here. 
because Mike, as a primary messenger here in the early days, and he still is a primary messenger here, that Mike was teaching the beauty of the Lord. And the Song of Songs. How many of you were drawn here because of the Song of Songs teaching? Just raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, this Song of Songs, this I can be closer to God than I ever thought. Do you know that's an upward calling? That's an upward calling? See, we're, we, we think we just have to take the principles until the man returns. And the glory is relegated to after we die. Let me show you how David experienced that while he was on the earth. I mean, we believe that Jesus or David was saying this while he was alive, right? And that what he was saying he was longing for was something that he had experienced. How many of you get that? That makes sense to you? Okay, little nods or something. Okay, simple logic. He says, one thing do I desire and I give here a, a list of questions, and I'm not asking you to answer these questions. I'm asking you if you would ask God to answer these questions for you. Question number one, do we desire, do I desire God, and do I seek the one thing? The one thing. Jesus called it the one thing that matters, Boy, that bumps it up in the priority list. He says, really, only one thing matters in Luke 10, 42. This one thing that matters. So do we desire it? God, do I desire the one thing? Number two, do I seek the one thing? It's one thing to desire it. It's another thing to seek it. I've traveled in different nations, been to a few hundred houses of prayer in the nation, been to several places that want a house of prayer in their city, and they'll always say, oh, we have a heart for a house of prayer. I go, that's great. What are you doing to order your life to pray? Oh, we don't want to pray. <laughs> we want a house of prayer. <laughs> We just like, you know, having a coffee shop and prayer environment. <laughs> we want young people to come like they're coming to your place. I said, I'm going to steal all your young people. Pastors get real nervous when you say that to them. Because <laughs> I think there's only about 500 young people in the earth that are getting shared by all the churches right now. <laughs> if you don't believe me, look at the color of the hair of the person next to you. Okay. <laughs> Nervous laughter ripples through the. <laughs> I tell them, I'm going to steal all your people, all your young people. They go, How? I'm going to smile at them and tell them I like them. I'm going to smile at them and say, God likes you. That God longs for you to be with him now. And I go, that's going to work, isn't it? <laughs> I go, yeah, because you're not doing that. I'm also telling you how to keep your young people. Stop telling them they're falling short that they've got to find their calling and their place of service in the church. Tell them Jesus longs to be with them and he's far more fascinating than iPhone. Ooh, almost got applause there, almost. <laughs> See, David desired this because God desired it and God put a desire in David to the point where he says, I'm going to seek it. I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to not do this so that I can seek this. And he's seeking it 
while he's alive. He's not saying, oh, I just wish I could go to heaven. And, and lots of, we do, don't we? I mean, don't you all wish you could just push the button and be in the heaven the rest of your life? And, you know, I'm done. I'm out. You know, beat me up, Scotty. My name's Kirk. Anyhow. <laughs> Next question. Could I do the one thing, Lord? Could I do that? Next question, how do I dwell in your house? Next question, now you can find tens of manuals that will say tens of things, but you can ask God and get a whole different answer. Lord, how do I behold your beauty? And we, we, we ask that question, we go, ah, oh, Google it. Who's got teaching on beauty? God has teaching on beauty. He says, come here, just look at me. No, I can't get to God. I got to get the manual. No, you need Emmanuel, not a manual. We all need Emmanuel right now. How do I behold you, Lord? How do I inquire and this is a fun one to ask. Where's the temple? Right? You know, Jay, David wrote that. Uh, oh, man, David had a grade. He could just go in the temple. There was no temple on the earth when David was alive. If he had been in the temple, where was he? Oh, he found the upward call. He responded to come up here. Just read Psalm 2, Psalm 110. Just two small examples of the so many times that David's gone, you know what? I just want one thing. It happened to him so many times. It happened to Paul so many times that they're, oh, I just want to die and be with Christ. Because I sat with him so many times. It happened to Enoch. And God went, Enoch, you've said yes so many times. I love that. Come here. <laughs> now, Enoch didn't die. He just went there. <laughs> Elijah, come here. I'll send a chariot. This upward call. We think that was for them. That was for Moses. You know, there were all these people that went up. This is further on in my notes somewhere. I'm just going to do it now. All these people went up. Moses went up. Elijah went up. Isaiah went up. Ezekiel went up. And we go, oh, they're special. They're, they're special guys. James says, Elijah was a man like us. Moses was a man like us. And they went up. Well, they got caught up. I don't think so. I think they got invited up. Now, the question is, are we invited up? Evidently, we are, because Paul says, I press towards the upward calling. Paul went up. So did James. So did Peter. So did John. Mount of Transfiguration. What in the world was that? We call it this miraculous thing. They went up. You know what the Mount of Transfiguration was? Moses showing up, Elijah showing up, Peter, James, and John over in the corner asleep. What happened there? What is this upward call? No, Jesus called him up. It says Jesus took him up on the mountain to pray. Did you ever think about that? The Mount of Transfiguration wasn't a miracle. It was a prayer meeting. That's why they fell asleep. <laughs> they thought it was a prayer meeting. They went, oh, man, walking all day. Why can't we just pray down by the water, you know, when we, where we got coffee? <laughs> Now come up on the mountain to pray. Listen, if they had known Moses and Elijah, 
were going to show up. Do you think they would have gone to sleep? No way. No way. They thought it was a prayer meeting. And suddenly in the prayer meeting, two chapters later, what do they say to Jesus? Hey, teach us how to pray. I want to give just a minute or two of practicals. Go through this. The spiritual upward call is an invitation to the whole body. And I don't mean to have experiences that you tell everybody and write great books and people go, wow, you're a prophet. I don't mean that. I mean an invitation into heavenly things. Real simply, things that we can do. And this is on the last page under F. Our call. Number one. Go find the scriptures that indicate the upward call. Now, this one seems to be the only one that says upward call, but there are so many. John's having his quiet time on the island of Patmos. A door opens. A voice says, come up here. Well, that was for John. Or is the door still open? You see... We say we have access to God, but do we access him? We say we're seated in heavenly places, but is that a chair reserved for when we die? Jesus prayed that they may behold my glory, present tense. Oh, you can't see the glory till you die. It is not my death that qualifies me to see the glory of Jesus Christ. It's his death, and he's already died, and the veil is already turned, and we have access, but are we accessing him? Or are we simply going horizontal to our outward call, our assignments, and going, you can't do that till you die? Believe me, your assignments outwardly will so change if you behold his glory and behold his beauty. It's available to us, and it's not complicated. So set your mind on things above. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. Set your mind on things above. Have not we all been told, don't become so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? Just read Colossians 3, 1 to 3. Paul says, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. What's he saying? Become so heavenly minded that you're some earthly good. It's an invitation. I don't want to get too intense. Communicate anger that God's not a community. He's inviting us. Three verbatim prayers. I, this, this is number four. Get the notes to get them all. Three verbatim prayers. This is something that I've begun doing every day and uh, for several years now. The first word out of my mouth is thank you when I get up in the morning. I just make that the first word out of my mouth. And I miss it several mornings until I'm reminded. And then it's every morning, thank you. Thank you. I want to gauge God. Thank you. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that you didn't kill me in the middle of the night. Thank you. Thank you. I get another shot at this. Thank you that there's new mercies. Thank you that you created all things and by your will I exist. Thank you. Thank you. So I do that thank offering and then I pray three prayers, always at least one or two of them, but most times three prayers now. And it's these three prayers listed because in the Bible it says to pray these words when it comes to these three prayers. And as far as I can tell, they're the only three prayers where you're supposed to pray these words. Jesus said, when you pray, say these words. In Luke 11. Now, many times we go, well, that's just religious, you know. Listen, <laughs> it's in red letters, okay? Jesus wasn't religious, okay? And it has in it, Daily bread. Give us this day. So we're supposed to pray it every day unless you don't want to eat. Okay? Say these words. Why? They're magical? No. It's his response to them saying, teach us how to pray. It's how to go up. 
See, the Lord's Prayer is to be prayed from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. Hello. No. When you pray, go to your Father. Where's your Father? In heaven. So you either got to shout it real loud or go to him. He's in heaven. See, we could be praying, let your kingdom come down there like it is up here. See, we're not going to understand the power and the significance of that until we spend time up here. What's it like up here? How do we know what we're praying? We're saying, you know, fix the election, fix the sickness. There's something so much bigger. Nathaniel gets a word of, you know, word of knowledge. I saw you sitting under a fig tree. You're amazing, Jesus God. You believe because of that? You're going to see heavens open. You're going to see angels. I think that happened to Nathaniel in this life. He saw the open heavens. Okay. I got to finish. Pray the three verbatim prayers. Look at each of them. You'll see that they're to be spoken exactly as they are. And we, as New Covenant believers, have the responsibility, yea, permission, yea, invitation to pray these prayers, believing that this is specific ways of interchange between heaven and earth. Lastly, train your senses by chewing the word. This is uh, given in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Those who are mature, that is, by reason of use, as opposed to milk, which is just swallowed, why most of us come here is to receive the milk of the word. Oh, it's deep milk. Yeah, but it's milk. We swallow it and we walk away inspired, but not necessarily transformed. If you take those words and chew those words, something different happens with your spiritual man. You're transformed, and it says your senses are trained. Your senses are trained. We need our senses trained. Why? To, to see in the spirit, to recognize demons, to recognize angels, to understand authority of angels and this kind of thing, should we ever have one encounter us, to understand that if they're kneeling in heaven, we should too. To understand the protocols that we enter his gates with thanksgiving, we enter his courts with praise, we're thankful to him and we bless his name. That's an invitation to get all the way into the throne room. Four different uh, Hebrew words for praise are used in that one verse. It's only a couple of verses like that. It's a protocol. It's a training on how to enter in, how to go up. We're made to go up. Amen. Can we stand right now? I would appeal to you, don't let my personality get in the way of what you heard today. Just simply take the words and chew them yourself. Make this place be an inspiration, a milkshake shack, unto a transformation. Take these words and chew them, believing you're saying them to God. And I promise you, you'll be going up without knowing. I want to invite us. To. Restore. Our first love calling. To behold him in his beauty. I think many in the body of Christ right now, are tempted to fear, anxiety, anger. And Paul would say, you know, forgetting what is behind. And he's talking about the really bad days that he had, really bad days, you know. When you read about Paul's temporal light afflictions, 
like multiple shipwrecks. I think most of us would say, I've not even gotten to temporal light afflictions, honestly. Stoned and left for dead more than once. 39 lashes more than once, you know. You know, if you're ever standing in a cruise line and waiting to get on the ship and you see Paul, you know. <laughs> Come on, babe, we're taking another ship right now. <laughs> I don't want to go through a temporal light affliction. <laughs> I just want to ask you to simply respond to this upward call that is on all of us right now. It will really help. Whatever you see your assignment as outward, if you're really into it, you're probably going to get disrupted massively in the days ahead. And this upward call to enter into it, where Paul says, set your mind on things above not on things on the earth. And Paul gives us not an out, but he gives us time. He goes, I haven't apprehended it, but I'm pressing. If you're going, you know what? I need to press towards this upward call. Believe me, if you embrace this upward call, your calling will fully come to pass. You don't even have to know what it is. God wouldn't tell me my calling because he said, no, if I tell you, you'll ruin it. He <laughs> said, you'll try to do it yourself. If before the Lord you're going, I need the upward call. I'm here, I want healing. I, I'm here, I need other things, but I need to embrace this upward call. I want to invite you to come forward. to say, I, I need to reset my focus higher in this hour. You know, I thought I was fixed and I got COVID and I thought I was gonna die. But after I got through it, it took a long time. Not as long as some, but longer than others. I realized I wasn't focused on my upward call. You have an upward call, beloved, and it's better than you think. It's more beautiful than you think. This glorious man, it's time, I feel like he's saying, it's not time to restore, it's time to resume this one thing calling, this upward call. And now that, so to speak, the conferences are out of the way, we don't have to get distracted with other things called the one thing. I want ministry team people, if you would, come up and pray for these. You might find yourself going, I need what I'm trying to give. But that's okay. This upward call. open your hands to the Lord whether someone lays hands on you or not just take one of these questions Lord how do I dwell in your presence Lord how do I seek your face apart from just saying it and have someone praying for me Lord teach me your ways I want to be with you where you are that prayer that Jesus prayed that they may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, is not slated for just when you die. That will happen when you die. There's no need to pray it. Jesus is praying in it now because he longs for you to long for him. Slide your heart and say, God, I want that upward call. Now, honestly, as you're receiving, I promise you, whether anyone prays for you or not, you can enter into this.
the fire. 